as a programmer, you know, sometimes I feel like people accuse you of just using your taste and you're like, I would be fired if I literally just programmed according to, I like this, I don't like this. Hey, Sky. Hey, Jenny. Many of our listeners are working on documentary films. And as we've talked about on this podcast many times, one of the best ways to get people to see your documentary is to get it programmed at festivals. Indeed, indeed. So who do we have on, Jenny? So I spoke to Aisha Jamal, who's a programmer at Hot Docs in Toronto. Aisha gave some really good insight in how programming decisions are made at Hot Docs. She's also a filmmaker herself, and she teaches film. So it was a broader conversation than just programming. Totally. And I also think it's it's worth just mentioning that it's really special when a programmer is also someone who makes films, because when they have stepped into that role of being behind the camera in some capacity, there is, I think, a greater understanding, perhaps. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know what the filmmaker's going through. You kind of know what goes into it. I can't imagine that that doesn't affect your decision-making process. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm really excited to hear the conversation. So this is Aisha Jamal, and you're listening to Rough Cut. Here we go. How did you become interested in documentaries? Okay, well... I work primarily, actually I do three different things. So it's so hard to say what I do primarily because I do all three of them almost in equal parts. But I work as a documentary filmmaker, which means I direct and produce my own work. I also sometimes produce other people's work. Um, I am also a film programmer. I program primarily documentary. I work for Hot Docs right now, but I've also been doing fiction films for various festivals. Last year, for example, I did a contract as a guest curator or guest programmer at a festival in Seattle, Washington called Tazvir, which programs films that are both fiction and documentary. And I also teach. So I teach at various levels, um, film history and theory. So those are the three different things that I do. And documentary, it's so hard to pinpoint where the actual interest came from because I feel like it's almost always been there. But um, probably when I was a teenager, I'd say. I'm by nature a very curious person. I always read a lot and started to watch a lot. And documentary was almost as equal a love as fiction filmmaking at a certain point or fiction film watching, I should say. Can you talk about how being a filmmaker informs your work as a programmer? Mm, I mean, I think it really helps to be someone who understands how films are made when you're a programmer. I program predominantly Canadian documentaries for the Hot Docs uh, Festival. I mean, not only does it give you a lot of empathy for what it takes to even make a film, because you know it takes years. Documentary is a field of passion more than anything. I don't know very many people who have maybe famous but not rich um, in documentary filmmaking. So I think often people are driven more by like a subject matter they feel about or a person or whatever it is that drives that documentary in particular. And you understand that really deeply when you're a filmmaker yourself and you know what it takes to make a film. I also think that you stay in touch with various kinds of issues if you are a filmmaker versus a programmer. So being both really allows you to sort of understand what are some of the issues we face in any landscape, the North American landscape in particular, for example, in filmmaking. 
and how does that then express itself in the films that we see. So I, th I think it really helps to have a background or as broad a background as you can when you approach programming. Um, and for me in particular, I find having a documentary background has been, or a documentary filmmaking background has been incredibly useful. Even in the way that I talk to people and like moderate the Q and A's or interact with the filmmakers when they come to the festival. How does one become a programmer? Like, do you have any advice for getting into that field? Yeah, I mean, I think my personal experience was that I was going to quite a few festivals and I had gone to a community festival in this place that I was teaching at, which is outside of Toronto. It's a small place called Peterborough and they had a very social justice oriented documentary festival. And I went to quite a lot of films one year and I kept seeing one person who ended up being a programmer and just talking about the different films with her. And she was like, wow, you're really passionate about film. Do you want to join our programming committee? And I was like, yeah. I mean, it was an unpaid gig, but I was pretty passionate about it because I really enjoyed going to that festival and I saw the kinds of films they were picking and they were really speaking to me on many different levels. And after that experience, I sought out other kinds of programming gigs. And I had a conversation when I was at an event at Hot Docs with one of the programmers. And we talked pretty deeply about a film that we both had seen that he had programmed and I had watched. And he had said, wow, you really love film and you understand it. And through him, I heard of the opportunity of the job that I eventually applied for. Um, so for me, it was attending festivals and having conversations about film with programmers that really allowed me to find sort of these kinds of jobs. But I think if you're coming in without wanting to attend and all these festivals and try to work the social uh, angle of it, um, I think you can write to smaller festivals and offer to join their programming committees. That has certainly worked. People have approached me when I was the head of a smaller festival here called the Syria Film Fest. That's how I sort of found some of the programmers that joined us eventually. And um, it's often unpaid when you start out at smaller festivals that don't have the budget. I uh, don't think that's fantastic, but you know, it's one way of getting in. And I think if you really want to hone your skills as a programmer, you have to be able to talk and write about film and be able to analyze, you know, the film text. Like, what is it doing? What is it trying to say? What is it accomplishing? How does it fit into the history of documentary? And I think those are really important things to focus on as a skill as a programmer. We talk a lot in our meetings and really overanalyze every film that we're considering programming. Hmm. What have you learned about documentary film as a programmer? Oh my God, what haven't I learned as a documentary programmer? <laughs> I feel like I learned so much about people or areas or issues that I never even knew about through watching films. You know, you also learn a lot about empathy for people that aren't like you or people that you've never met before. So I feel like there's a lot of emotional learning and there's a lot of factual learning you do. You learn a lot about the art of documentary. You know, what are some of the trends or what are some of the changes? Because I watch such a high volume of film, I kind of can see what's changing in the Canadian film landscape. What are some of the trends that you're seeing? Well, thankfully, I feel like the, the overuse of drones seems to have come to a little bit of an end. But some of the trends I'm seeing is that people are still interested in things like, you know, climate change films. They're changing a little bit from really these general arguments that try to convince you that climate change is even a thing to much more sort of nuanced portraits of instances that can teach us about the bigger trends. So I think that that's a real change in how people are approaching really broad issues that have become more accepted in the mainstream. And I don't think that was the case even seven or eight years ago, where we still had to like convince people and show them evidence of climate change. So you can see films like 
from a couple of years ago, we had Brett Stories from The Hottest August, which takes a bit more of a experimental documentary approach to um, climate change. You really have to think about that film and really stay with it to understand what it's trying to say. It's not as easy. It's not feeding you facts and numbers, you know? So I think that's certainly a change that I see. What do you think makes a good programmer? I mean, you already mentioned people who can articulate or write about films, but in terms of the selection process, what do you feel like makes a good programmer? I mean, that's a tough question. I feel like sometimes I think there has to, there's good programming teams. Like you really do want to form teams at festivals of people with various backgrounds because as a programmer, you know, sometimes I feel like people accuse you of just using your taste and you're like, I would be fired if I literally just programmed according to, I like this, I don't like this. That's not how it works. Like we do look at various things and, you know, including some of the things I've already mentioned, like, is this a film that covers something we've never seen before? Is this a film that gives, you know, a certain access that we haven't had before? Is this a film that is made by, for example, someone that people are usually tracking in the public? You know, I will watch anything made, for example, by Alanis Obamsawin, a very famous indigenous Canadian documentary filmmaker. So when she makes a new film, you pay attention. And even if you personally are like, eh, it's not my favorite of hers, you'd still program it because there will be an audience for it. People are looking at her work and tracking it and wanting to see the newest things she makes. So I feel like there's so many different vectors along which you analyze a film. So I think really good programming teams have pretty diverse programmers. So you really get a bit more of a broad view on film and on what's being submitted. But yeah, I think as a programmer yourself, you have to have a pretty solid background in the form that you're programming. So if that's documentary, you got to understand the history of documentary. Uh, to be able to program films continuously at festivals. Because if you don't, then you're likely to make mistakes <laughs> that would have been avoided had you understood the form, you know? Yeah. When you're programming films for Hot Docs or any of the other festivals that you've been a programmer at, what makes a film stand out? I mean, I think that's a hard question because it's really like different for every film. And I think like, you know, sometimes it's because I really am feeling along with what the subject matter is, or sometimes it's because I'm outraged. You know, it could be a portrait of someone I wouldn't even want to meet and I have no empathy for, but it's like an outrageous subject matter. Sometimes it's like aesthetic or sort of stylistic risks that I haven't seen before that can make a film stand out. So it's various things. I think every film is different for why it becomes memorable to you. Let's say you're looking at like five different short documentaries and you're not familiar with any of the filmmakers. What qualities are you looking for in a film that would make you more inclined to program it? Uh, that's too hard. I think, as, as I said, there's like different vectors along which you really like look at a film and decide to program it or not program it. It has to be a certain kind of quality. It has to really fit the mandate of the festival. You know, if it's a student film and we don't have a student category, then we wouldn't be able to really place it at the festival. If it is a film that is far more fiction than documentary, because we do get hybrids, then we wouldn't really want to place it at the festival. So I think there's just like no one way to answer that because you're looking at several different things at the exact same time when you're watching a film. Hmm. Can you walk us through the programming process at Hot Docs? Like how are programming decisions made? How many people are watching each uh, submission? I'd be speaking predominantly about the Canadian section because that's the one that I work in. But the way that we work on the Canadian documentary selection is that every film that is submitted that is Canadian gets watched by at least two programmers on the Canadian team. And on the Canadian team, we are three people. I work with Alexander Rogalski and I work with Miriam Zadie. Alex and I are sort of more the full programmers and Miriam is the associate programmer. And we try to watch 
each film twice and we discuss every film that's in the Canadian selection or in Canadian submissions at our programming meetings. We meet every couple of weeks and then all of us individually in the meantime watch films. We write short paragraphs about each film. We also give it a rating and then we get together and we talk about each one. We go down our lists and we talk about them and then talk about which ones we want to carry forward into a sort of a list from which we're going to pick the final program. This way we work our way through about, oof, this year we had just over 400 Canadian submissions. Are there any trends that you've seen specifically in Canadian documentary? Like does Canadian documentary have a distinct style to it as opposed to American documentaries? You know what? I would say that there is a much higher rate of really polished, high-budget American films. It's very rare in the Canadian landscape to find a high number of polished, big-budget kinds of productions. I also think that Americans have more of a bombastic approach to documentaries. And I think it has a lot to do with the funding models here and also with the amount of funding we have. You are, by nature, a much larger country with a larger population, larger funds. Canada, you know, has a fraction of the population that also shows in in our funding and the types of films we make. So I think I really do see a difference in that. What is the style of Hot Docs programming? Like if there was a film that you could point to or maybe a few that you would say like, oh, this really encapsulates, you know, a Hot Docs documentary. Mm. I think that one of the things about Hot Docs that makes it a little bit different than some of the other Canadian festivals or even maybe some of the American festivals is that we're a very broad ranging festival. It's supposed to be a festival where we celebrate the art of documentary filmmaking and all of its sort of diverse incarnations. So that means that we have films that are quite auteur driven. We also have a section now that are more about experimental films, but we also have very sort of broad, big budget documentaries as well you know, American, Canadian, or wherever they may be from. And we also have sort of very art-driven, like an artscape program. So we've got different streams. So we're trying to be sort of this broader general festival that celebrates various types of documentaries. So I think when you look at any one year, you'll see that there are sort of so many different types. And sometimes people tell me, oh, you know what? Your festival is very television documentary focused. And I'll be like, yeah, you know what? There are quite a number of films that have been funded by television at our festival. And someone else would be like, wow, there's a lot of experimental content at the Hot Dogs. And you'd be like, yes, we do have an entire program that has experimental films. So I think it's a bit of a smorgasbord approach to what's happening in documentary that year. And it's not trying to do something extremely focused, like, for example, I'm thinking of True Falls in the U.S., which does very socially conscious, auteur-driven documentary. It has a, almost, like, almost like a clear vision, whereas in Hot Dogs has a very broad vision of what it wants to do. How much does the identity of the filmmaker play a factor in your or other Hot Dogs programmers' decision to program a film, if it does at all? Uh, I mean, it's a really, really good question. Are you, uh, are you asking about sort of racial, ethnic identity? Racial, ethnic, geography, age, gender, anything, yeah. I mean, age, not so much, to be honest with you, because we don't ask that question on the submission. And like, obviously, I watch a lot of films with people that I don't know, so I have no idea what age they are. Um, but when it comes to the other questions, it depends on what kind of story the person is telling. If it is a, a story where sort of your identity in some sense wouldn't necessarily be a factor, you wouldn't pay as much attention to it while you're watching and trying to make a decision about it. But if you are making a film about a community, let's say in the Canadian context, if you're making a film about an indigenous community, 
we do look at a particular question that we ask on the submission folder, that is, what is your relationship to the community you're making the film about or that the film is about? And if the person can answer that question in a way where we understand they have a relationship, you will be much more likely to be like, okay, that is a film we could invite to the festival. We are in the contemporary zeitgeist. I think that we're not alone. Uh, people are having these big discussions about who has the right to tell whose story and how do we tell stories about people that don't share our backgrounds, you know, if that's gender identity or like racial identity. So we do pay attention to those things when, uh, when it's needed, but it's not something that you apply to every single film. So if you're making a, a film about the use of cubicles and office spaces, I'm not so sure I care if you were an office worker in your past or not. But if you're making a film about a community of particularly Somali Canadian activists living in a certain part of Toronto that's more lower income, I think I'll look at the answer of that question and see, you know, what kind of relationship you forged to that community before you made a film about them. And are you from that community? If you're not, you don't have to be necessarily, I would say, for certain kinds of identities, but I would under want to understand what your relationship is and how you understand that relationship. Mm -hmm. Do you have any advice for emerging filmmakers who want to be programmed at Hot Docs? Mm, I think that it depends on what kind of film you made. I think one of the things you really truly need to do is to be honest with yourself of what is a platform that could host your film. Did you just finish, you know, a film school and your film is very student filmish, which is not a bad thing. I teach students all the time and I really do love and I think it's a craft. You know, you, you work on it, you know, the more films you make. Uh, but if it's a film that's more student filmish, then I would go to a festival that has a stream for student films. If your film you think actually belongs at a place like Hot Dogs, take a look and see um, what kinds of streams we have and where it would fit, if it would fit. And I think my advice is answer all the questions when you are submitting. And sometimes it helps to reach out to a programmer. I don't mind getting emails once in a while from people saying, hey, I'm so-and-so, I submitted this film, I hope you enjoy it. If you write me a very, very long email, you know, it'd be hard for me to want to read through all of it, especially in the midst of programming and having to watch such a high number of films. But I think that helps sometimes to get people's attention. So I think that's something that you might want to consider if you're very confident about your film. Yeah, I mean, in these emails, you know, because I've heard the same thing. People say like, oh, send the programmers an email. What can you really say beyond introducing yourself and just like, hey, here's my film? Does it help to give more context about your approach to it? Or as you said, is it better to just keep it short? Well, I think it's better to keep it short unless there is something extremely special. And I think everyone likes to think your film is special, and I think you should think your film is special because you put so much time, effort, and money into it, probably. But I do think if there's something really that's really standout or unique, feel free to accent that. I think that certainly would help. But I do think keeping it short is really, really key. Knowing how to be succinct and still be really convincing is, is an art form. Rough Cuts hosted and produced by Jenny Butler and Sky Dylan Robbins. Abby Kittengore, Amy DiGiacomo, and Kaylee Fox-Shannon are our booking producers. Audrey Horowitz is our editor, and our original music is by Zach Wright. And this podcast is part of the Video Consortium, a global nonprofit media org that connects the world's nonfiction filmmakers and video journalists to tell bold stories that catalyze positive change. You can become a member and join our global community of nonfiction storytellers at videoconsortium.org. 
And if you like the show, you can follow us on Instagram at at roughcutpodcast or leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. These are nonprofit endeavors with a mission to democratize the industry playing field for all. So if you want to support VC and this podcast, we would love if you'd head to videoconsortium.org to donate. Thanks for listening and see you next time.